Hi, I'm uh, Shlomi Ron, CEO at Visual Storytelling Institute. Uh, we are based in sunny Miami, Florida, and we help business leaders like you uh, with sh the shortest ways to cut through the clutter and rise above the communication noise through the power of storytelling and the impact of visual media. So if you guys are just uh, joining uh, our podcast for the first time, this is uh, your really great uh, place to be for visual storytelling. And Visual Storytelling Today podcast is a podcast where we bring some of the most notable visual storytelling uh, experts out there. And today we have a special topic. The topic I chose for today is really how to manage a visual stories at scale. Why you might ask is we all really live in a world of uh, visual communications and really the reason for that is the adoption of a uh, rich bandwidth, uh, social media and mobile, the pipelines. And as a result, we see that uh, according to uh, latest stats, 91% uh, of people like visual content uh, over written content. And in response, we see that marketers uh, on a regular basis uh, use visuals in more than 90% of their content. And this chunk of marketers uh, that use over 90% of uh, their content with visuals are growing 20% year over year. So we see tremendous growth for visual content. Uh, that's why uh, I wanted to kind of uh, talk today about uh, really this new brave uh, world of uh, visual uh, content and management platforms that uh, could manage this massive amount of uh, data and personalize it and really distribute it uh, effectively on different platforms and, and really make a, an impact for a, a, a new generation of marketers that really specialize in visual content. So for this uh, show today, I'm so excited to, to bring uh, uh, Sanjay uh, Sarathi, he's CMO at Cloudinary. It's a market leader in cloud-based image and video management platform to discuss how to again, manage visual stories at scale in today's visual communication landscape. Uh, a bit about uh, Sanjay, he's a business executive with deep experience in SaaS and software markets uh, and keen insight into big data analytics, e-commerce and middleware. Before Cloudinary, uh, he held uh, CMO positions at Imanis Data and Sumo Logic. So if you're uh, an avid WordPress uh, user, you must, must have used uh, some of their plugins like I have. Wow, this is quite a, a journey. Welcome to the show, Sanjay. Thank you very much, Shlomi. Excellent. So there's so much uh, I want to ask you, but uh, before we dive right in, uh, I'd like to get you know, a little bit about your back story, your journey, how you got started uh, in marketing in the first place. Sure. I, uh, actually, my story into marketing was one of chance, not necessarily deep planning. Uh, a classmate of mine from school back when the internet was first getting started and first taking hold in, in business circles called me and said, Sanjay, we're looking for people to help us with our software startup and I thought you might be interesting. And at that time, I was in the management consulting world. So in a very different world than, than marketing. Yeah. Uh, but I responded to her, uh, to her note and uh, dropped in to visit the CEO of the company. And 
I just fell in love. I fell in love with uh, the pace of technology uh, change. Uh, I'm, when I started to get into marketing, I love the fact that it's a combination of art and science. You have to measure things, but you also have to understand how things might work and how things might impact people without necessarily always having to measure that. And, and in our world in software, uh, you get to have uh, work with varied audiences. You can work with other marketers, you can work with developers, you can work with IT DevOps professionals, finance professionals, depending on what software. So you're always having to think on your feet around how uh, what you're providing is of value to that particular audience. So uh, that's sort of my backstory into marketing, and I've just never left it since, since I first joined. Yeah, and no, I, I just looked at the, your LinkedIn profile before the show, and it's quite amazing, you know, the wide range of the SEMA positions and uh, in companies in different industries. So it's quite a remarkable uh, track record, which is great. So <laughs> uh, one of the things that uh, I also would like to start, it's a kind of a standing question I have for all my guests, is, as you know, visual storytelling <clears throat> is quite a, new in the business context, uh, originally uh, it's coming from the entertainment arts, you know, the way yeah. Hollywood was uh, used to make movies. And what happens in past years is that with the decline of uh, the effectiveness of paid media, you know, ad blockers and, you know, banner blindness and others, marketers started looking at new ways to engage uh, audiences and they start uh, looking deeper in how, um, you know, Hollywood was engaging through movies, and that's where storytelling is the, the core component. So I'm kind of wondering, since you are leading the customer voice in a visual content media platform, how do you see? What is your definition for visual storytelling? It's a great question. From from my perspective, where I sit here at Cloudinary, mm -hmm. uh, and when we talk with our customers, I think the verb you used around engage or engagement is is absolutely critical, and that can mean different things for different types of companies. For e-commerce companies, engagement can be how somebody reacts to their product display, a product listing page, and ultimately maybe converts into a transaction. Yeah. For a media company, it's about how long people read the content and look at the visuals associated with that content. For a travel company that might rely on user-generated content, it's about engaging with the brand. So uh, the word around engagement for us is, is critical to defining how that how visual storytelling is successful or not. Yep. And I think it's leveraging the power of rich media, whether it's images or videos or 3D or AR and VR and uh, in certain areas to, to create that engagement. Uh, and so uh, we, we don't, we believe strongly that uh, visual, the visual media is at, is at the heart of that storytelling. Uh, and we see it every day with customers and the stories that they come to us with in terms of what they're trying to tell. I see. But do you find that these uh, clients are actually using the visual content, or I should rephrase this, use stories in the visual content they produce in the classic three-act uh, story structure, you know, setting content resolution, or 
it's it's more uh, broader than that. I think it's broader than that. Not everybody has a, a three act story. Sometimes they it's 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 a it's a very short story sometimes, and it's a, it's a it's a it's a quick one act uh, play uh, rather than a full on uh, full on drama. But the premise around uh, engaging with them visually at the get go, and then taking them down a journey down a path that makes sense for for that user or that viewer or for that customer is part of their storytelling effort and uh, and I think that's true whether you are a company focused on, on the end consumer or even if you are a brand agency trying to work with other consultants and other, or other businesses right at the end of the day you're trying to tell a story around what value you're providing uh, for the service you offer Got it. So that brings us to, I'm sure my audience is now uh, interested in, now that we have your background and a little bit about your perspective about visual storytelling, maybe you can tell us a little bit about uh, what Cloudinary is all about and what are the core problems uh, it's really solving for your clients? Sure. Uh, before I start with the what, uh, talk a little bit about the why. Um, to Two-thirds of the web today is made up of images, right? And that has grown by something like 10% over the last four years. And, you know, you, I think we all intuitively understand it when we go yeah. online. Uh, but when you add video to that, that percentage is even higher. So the, the premise has been that companies of all types are using images and videos and other forms of media to, to help with sort of the visual storytelling and the reality is we live in a visual economy today so what cloudinary realized was that it's one thing if you have just a few images five or ten or fifteen you can manage them you can handle them you can crop them you can add watermarks to them by hand but when you're a large brand whether no matter what vertical market you play in and you're handling tens of thousands the hundreds of thousands or potentially even millions of images you have to be able to handle that at scale. Uh, it's, it's, you, you can't just say, I'm going to do this uh, you know, from 3 to 5 p.m. On, 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 Thursday, on Thursday afternoon. So what we have built is a software platform that helps companies manage all their digital uh, visual media assets at scale. Mm-hmm. And uh, so everything from uploading them, uh, transforming them into this uh, into the size into the shape, uh, adding watermarks, rotating them, and then dynamically delivering them to your end users no matter where in the world they may live, whether it 's on a mobile device whether it 's on their desktop whether it 's some other type of device uh, and doing that uh, in an automated way so we 're and, and supporting all the engagement goals that uh, our customers have um, and so we started off uh, seven years ago and today we have over 5,500 customers around the world uh, and over 500,000 uh, people using the platform in one way, shape, or form. Wow. And who are the major uh, competitors in this space that you are up against? So it, it actually kind of varies. Uh, a lot of times people do it themselves. We will run into do-it-yourselves. You, there are plenty of uh, open source tools out there that you can work with, um, but you have to manage that. You have to you have to essentially 
uh, deal with that. And a huge part of our value add is the productivity we give back to the organizations in terms of time saved so you can focus on your, uh, your real work and your real mission. Um, there are certainly competitors in each of the segments we play in, so different competitors, uh, whether it's Adobe in digital asset management or Akamai in, in the image management space. But one of the areas, and I think competition is great. It's great. It forces us to constantly innovate and, and bring new capabilities to the fore. But I think one of the unique aspects of what we provide is the ability to handle all these different types of media, whether it's images or videos or providing a full-blown digital asset management system at scale uh, that very few others do. Yeah. So it looks like you handle a really like the, the storage aspects, and, but you also in, involved in the distribution. So basically placing those images on different uh, owned, paid, and earned media. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely uh, sort of the full end-to-end -end process. So storage and management is just one aspect of it. It's, it's, it's relatively straightforward. Yeah. Uh, but I think where the real power shines is taking those images and videos and, and creating uh, hotspots on videos, or video previews automatically using AI and deep learning, or adding overlays or watermarks or personalizing images so that if, for example, example, if the number of shoes falls below a certain number, you can put running out of stock, right, or uh, and automatically badged on those visual items. So our ability to transform and manipulate those images to support the, the visual story that you want to tell yeah. is, and, and to be able to do it automatically and at scale is something that we, uh, we that distinguishes us from uh, others in the marketplace. I see. So if I'm a potential client, what is the typical process would be for me to use your service? And you can pick any particular solution that uh, you offer as an example. Yeah, I mean, we, it's, it's uh, so I can, it, it can come across in one of a couple of different ways. Uh, mm -hmm. Part of our mission has always been to make uh, Cloudner accessible to anybody, right? So mm -hmm. if you're a two-person uh, agency, you can use our product for free, right? You can sign up for a free uh, account on cloudinary.com. You can start playing with it. You can start uh, ingesting uh, either your assets or your client's assets into it. And it's not a trial, it's a free product. And then we scale all the way up to a company like, you know, somebody like a StubHub, the ticketing agency, right? And they handle, they use us for multiple use cases, but they handle hundreds of thousands of assets um, that they that they use through Cloudinary and handle it at scale and use us for a full-blown digital asset management system. Nice. So, uh, our approach has been to support both uh, the, uh, the small medium business uh, that can in some ways be self-service or provide a more full, uh, full-blown, full-featured uh, service to larger companies that want um, all the capabilities of Cloudinary uh, as well as all the, all the bandwidth and all the transformation they, they'd like to use uh, for, yeah, for their needs as well. Is it, is it uh, accurate to, to assume that uh, on the distribution side, you, you mostly specialize on the own media, uh, people's websites and uh, 
own presence versus as a ad serving as a paid media extension or as a publishing platform like a Hootsuite on social media? Well, we can actually support both. So funnily enough, one of the biggest segments uh, in, our, in our customer base are ad tech companies. So we're not necessarily delivering the ads themselves. That's obviously what the ad tech companies do. But what we are doing is providing the underlying infrastructure to define essentially the, uh, the size, the shape, uh, the delivery of those assets to the various publishing platforms that the ad tech companies work with. Uh, and so we support both uh, own and paid media mechanisms. It's uh, from our perspective, the mechanics of what we do to support both are in a lot of ways the same. Um, and, the, and the nice thing is for a marketer, for example, mm-hmm. one of the really interesting aspects of using the Cloudinary platform is for every master image or master uh, asset that comes in, you can create a wide variety of presets. So you can create uh, a set of images that are purely for your social media campaigns, one for that meet the dimensions for your website, one that meet the dimensions for your email campaign. And these can be automatically generated. So as as a marketer, you're not trying to think, okay, I need 18 different versions of this one asset. How do I do that? With Cloudinary, we can do that at scale. And you're focused on what assets do I actually want to build or shoot? Um, and then Cloudinary will take care of the rest. That's incredible. You mentioned earlier that uh, your platform is using AI, machine learning, deep learning. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of curious how this uh, automation is expressed in the distribution side, you know, when you're pushing content to own, paid, and earned. Especially, you mentioned recently, you know, that you work with the other partners like ad techs and maybe social media publishers. Then is the intelligence, the personalization uh, for serving these visual assets is embedded in the delivery or you just deliver the content? No, it's embedded in the delivery. So, and it it comes about through a few different ways. Um, Some of the things that we do through through our algorithms uh, associated with AI and deep learning could be something as straightforward as how do we take uh, content and automatically focus on the most relevant object in in that image, right? So if you have a particular dimension, but you don't want to crop it uh, in a particular way that might lose the the central focus, we have algorithms that, for example, can focus on the face uh, Mm -hmm. or focus on the most relevant aspects of the subject. Or you can define if you're in a dining room setting and you want to focus on the food, you you can define that. So... Uh, there are mechanisms that we provide built into the the platform that allow you to focus on a, a, the the right uh, the right areas of the image or the video uh, that ultimately get delivered to the end user, whether it's through a mobile device or through a desktop or some other device. And that's part of the power. We don't always know how it's going to get consumed, but we want to be in a position to shape that when it gets consumed by these various devices, it automatically gets delivered in the best resolution, in the best format, in, uh, in the best uh, contextual viewing 
for that particular device uh, in that particular geo. Uh, and that's something that we automate uh, on, on our end. That's interesting because, again, I'm thinking out loud here because I, you know, I've never saw, I never actually looked at the, under the hood of your technology, obviously, but, right. but in terms of the, the AI aspect, I would assume that there, there, there are certain uh, uh, data sets or, or variables that you can define. Uh, you mentioned the, the face example. I would consider this maybe a, a custom uh, data set point, data point. Other are more universal, like you know, a previous uh, user behavior on your website, you know, clicks, conversions. These are all tangible uh, footprints that people are actually leaving when they interact with your content, both on social media and your own, you know, own media uh, website. So these I consider like universal data points that could really help personalize a, a distribution of a visual asset. But I'm, mm -hmm. I'm sure there are also custom data points that are, are specific for a specific client that based on their business. Uh, no, absolutely. In fact, we have uh, a, a set of amazing deep learning experts in our CTO office who essentially do a lot of that. How do we take data sets uh, related to the companies we serve uh, and learn from that, right? So because as a SaaS platform, we have... Yeah. Uh, uh, have these data sets and so we can continue to uh, the corpus is something that we can continue to work with and learn from uh, and understand where there may be outliers that we need to uh, sort of build into our into the deep learning framework and I don't claim to understand all the different <laughs> aspects of our deep learning uh, algorithms but what I will say is that we're constantly figuring out uh, how to take the various data sets at our disposal whether public or otherwise um, to uh, use as part of the value add that the that the deep learning provide yeah one of the trends right now in the CRM world that I'm sure you probably came across is the next best action and uh, customers basically the idea of uh, the way I kind of uh, describe it to people is that we try to emulate you know the the old days uh, general storekeeper that knew each customer individually and basically serve them personally bring yeah. that to the world of technology today where every interaction with your customer you want to give them something specific to what they ask and not kind of kind of move away from the world of a obviously you know <laughs> sparing prey or the next level which right. is more kind of segmenting people into buckets based on some one or two variables so now it's really treating people as individuals do you adopt that say, philosophy at cloudinary sure and i think it's uh, you know we're essentially part of an overall ecosystem that we work with. So we work with CRM systems, we work with product information management systems. And so as, you know, the data we hold is not necessarily personalized data per se, it's the image, the image data. But because we can integrate with all these other systems that might have uh, uh, that uh, those data points, uh, people that use our platform can easily 
create rules that associate specific oh, yeah. images or specific content with uh, either specific product types or specific user profiles or specific mm -hmm. user groups to do personalization like that. And obviously, um, the the company in question, our customer, would define what what they would want to do uh, in in that regard. Uh, so we don't typically hold uh, PII data of of any of anybody. Yeah. Um, that's held typically in a separate system. Um, but it, certainly, there's no reason why uh, our customers can't correlate uh, assets with specific user journeys uh, through through the website. And I'm just throwing another, you know, hot trend right now that I'm kind of curious, you know, uh, since Google kind of started, you know, this uh, mechanism that allows you to search a visual content, not by their label, but by their image statistics. Mm -hmm. ability mm -hmm. to, to really pull images based on the, the actual make versus uh, what labels you attach to them, text-based. Do, do you see that in, in, in your space? Yeah, we're certainly seeing that. I mean, metadata at multiple levels is, is critical mm -hmm. for searching, for tagging. Right. Uh, and so the whole notion of metadata, whether it's built into the image itself or whether it's user added, mm -hmm. uh, is something that we support from the get-go. Because again, back to our original point around doing this at scale, it's one thing if you have 10 or 20 assets that you can quickly scan through and pick the ones that you need. Mm -hmm. But when you're talking millions of images and you're doing searches to support a particular particular, I, I need a blue sofa for a particular campaign. Right. Uh, metadata is, is, is at the heart of, of how you do it. And, and that metadata can be driven by both uh, predefined or user-generated uh, actions, if you will. That makes sense. So speaking about the actual content, you know, who makes the content? Obviously, one uh, source is the client, you know, they're mm -hmm. graphic designers either inside or outside in the business. But do you also have any collaborations with the image databases? Like, you know, they and all the, the big ones. You mean like Shutterstock and yeah. Getty and folks exactly. like that? Exactly. For clients that might not, that looking for like a, a, you know, a faster solution that can easily uh, manipulate it and customize yeah, absolutely. So um, it's funny, both uh, we're actually building a native integration into one of the services I just mentioned, uh, mm -hmm. which uh, should be released shortly. Uh, and in, in conversations with the other one uh, <laughs> that, that we're talking to. So absolutely, because people do have uh, the need to both uh, pull from, you know, or, assets that they create on their own, plus libraries that they may have from, yeah. from third parties. And that's absolutely something that we, we uh, in fact, already support today and uh, will continue to support in a big way. Yeah. So, so been there with Cloudinary for a while now, what would you say is like the, the most uh, heavily misconceptions about uh, cloud-based uh, visual asset platforms that you come across? Uh, I, th I think one of the things that 
is all I always enjoy it as a marketer. I one of the things I do is is uh, take screenshots of social media tweets from our customers that are amazed at how easy and how rapid and how impactful it's been. And I think uh, so. I think one of the I think people don't realize that there are solutions out there that can solve problems they've been banging their heads against the wall for for years uh, to solve. And I think um, whether it's on whether whether you're a developer or a marketer or a UI UX uh, uh, expert, um, solutions like Cloudinary exist out there and and and. Where and and can solve a lot of the use cases that are in the marketplace, and we're always coming across new ones that we need to that we right. need to have answers for. Uh, but I think I think the realization the the misconception is that you have to put up with slow performing, um, uh, and you don't you know you you have to use. You don't have the ability to manipulate the the images and videos and other assets in the way you want them to is is a misconception uh, that we come up we we offset very quickly because when people see our first demo they go oh wow I didn't realize we could do that and, and that to me is sort of the greatest satisfaction because I hadn't even thought about it yeah because on, on the low end you know I would I would think you know a small business might think why can I can I use like a Google Drive for my visual assets maybe manipulate yeah. them manually using uh, some you know <laughs> no no absolutely and it gets and it's done it's done yeah all over the world right it's and um how can you bring them to you know think the next level up what's possible exactly and 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 showcasing the the notion of what's possible is a huge part of what we try and do with with anybody that's that's interested in in this type of solution and that's i think part of the uh, experience that we try and provide our customers. Yeah. So thinking about the what's possible, uh, how would you say, you know, uh, how success looks like for your clients? Just take a few examples maybe to paint this picture of the, you know, life after working with you guys. Sure. Um, in fact, I, I mentioned this client before, but it's, they published a story on Medium just uh, a couple of weeks ago, or actually last week, and I thought it was a, uh, an amazing story, StubHub. And one of the interesting things about StubHub is they're putting on events around, uh, around entertainment, uh, concerts, uh, sporting events, and imagery is a huge part of how uh, how those events are showcased on their website. And one of the challenges they had was uh, people were viewing the StubHub site across a variety of different um, devices, uh, desktop, and sometimes a an image delivered to through the desktop, which looked great, and um, but would be cropped in a very unusual, funny fashion on a mobile device, and you you got a horrible uh, experience from that. Okay. So they chose Cloudinary to basically, essentially automate that whole process of how uh, those assets were uh, managed, transformed, delivered um, across uh, across uh, uh, across the 
world for them, no matter who was viewing their website. But the other part that they really found valuable was they were able to use cloud energy to bring their various teams together. So the brand teams, their creative teams, their marketing teams, the developer teams together in one, uh, off one platform to work with. So, um, one of, I think, the unique aspects of Cloudinary is we support uh, different audiences very easily. We we provide marketers and creative types with our digital asset management solution. We provide developers with an API-based uh, platform that, that they can use their favorite language or SDKs with. And it's all one technology base. So you, we're not sitting there having to tell people, oh, you have to use this platform for this and this platform for you as a developer. It's essentially one single platform that's approachable to different audiences because of the different ways in which you can interact with it. And, and that's something that StubHub found incredibly, incredibly useful. Um, another, customer, you know, another customer that's really interesting is um, Apartment Therapy that has a number of different sites. Uh, but what they found really useful is for their editors, right, to, who are editing blog, the, the, the websites, their web editors, to essentially use Cloudinary as, as the basis for building um, or, and delivering assets to their various sites in the way they wanted to support mm-hmm. the story they wanted to support. Right. And uh, again, that sort of flexibility that we give to uh, a company like that at the scale at which they operate uh, was something that they found very, very powerful. So yeah. I, I think I, I think the ability um, to support any company that uses imagery as a way to engage with their customers, mm-hmm. somebody we can help and we can work with, uh, whether you're small or, or you know ex- extremely large. Um, and I think that's one of the uh, one of the aspects that people um, people appreciate is we can help them grow as as their needs and their visual storytelling uh, requirements grow. And does your a platform has any reporting or measurement that, or this yep. is done on a separate side? No, it's done off the same platform. So we provide a number of reporting capabilities mm-hmm. around <coughs> the assets, around uh, access points. So there are a number of different ways in which you can uh, sort of see reports around uh, how often your assets are viewed, the bandwidth you're consuming, where your assets are being delivered. Um, the end user, the end user browser types that are essentially interacting with those uh, assets. So, all those data points uh, and reports are accessible to you, whether it's through uh, our own reporting-based infrastructure, or you can access everything through our API and use it in your own analytic system as well. Are there any kind of hero KPIs that uh, most clients use that basically? test the, the health of their uh, visual assets? Because like, I checked uh, the website before the show and I, and I looked at some of the testimonials from your customers and saw that a bunch of them talk about uh, bandwidth reduction. Sure, so there, there are a set of KPIs typically around performance, mm-hmm. right? Uh, performance yeah. of your website or your application, whether that's related to t- um, reducing the amount of bandwidth because we have uh, automatically compressed uh, images without any visual degradation uh, of those images or videos, <laughs> um, which is which is very powerful, right? Um, and there is there are other metrics around c- 
conversion, right? What are the conversion rates? Uh, and conversion can mean everything from uh, paying uh, to moving to the next step or to an action that, that the customer has. So that's a second set of KPIs. The third set of KPIs is around engagement, right? Um, the notion of how long are people spending on your site, yeah. uh, reading material, uh, interacting, asking questions, if, if that's part of uh, part of your site. Uh, so there are a variety of different KPIs depending on the type of business you have. And then the fourth one, which is, again, significant, is around internal productivity. Mm -hmm. So in, you may be spending, instead of spending three-person months a year working on this infrastructure, you mm -hmm. spend one person week per year on this infrastructure because you're now using Cloudinary yeah. and you know, you've got the rest of the two months and three weeks doing things that actually drive the business forward uh, in ways that you weren't able to do before. So those are the four, I would say, buckets of metrics typically our, yeah. uh, our customers uh, sort of look at for, um, for so their own success. That ties to the most common business objectives is brand awareness and maybe driving sales for e-commerce clients. Yeah, yeah it's a, a lot of it. A lot of it is uh, driving the brand, driving top line growth, yeah. improving internal productivity. Right, uh, and I think uh, you know, in a very simplistic uh, way, uh, if if you look at software as either you're helping companies make more money or save. Yeah you know, save operating expenses at the end of the day while we operate. A huge part of what we do is around helping companies make more money, uh, whether it's part of the digital transformation initiatives, uh, they want to be a bigger part of the visual economy, whatever that initiative might be, we're from a, from a media perspective, we're at the centerpiece of that visual storytelling initiative. That's great. So we almost uh, at the end of our show, but I have uh, two more questions for you. First sure. is, uh, where do you see the future of visual storytelling headed, especially in the context of the visual asset platforms? You know, I think the next big uh, trend, I mean, it's, it's starting to pick up, uh, is around video. Mm -hmm. um, I th you know, I think people have had uh, sometimes uh, understandable fears around video because of the expense associated with it and the time associated with it and this complexity because you have codecs and you have, uh, bit rates. Uh, but I think what's happening is um, increasingly, whether it's from Cloudinary or otherwise, the ability to handle uh, uh, and, and, and reduce the complexity and pain with delivering video uh, is such that they can then focus on, hey, what ad additional value do we get engagement? Because there are plenty of statistics to show uh, the incremental value of a video to, even if it's a short form video for a few seconds, no. uh, to, uh, to building user engagement. So I think, uh, I think we're, what we're going to see is uh, greater and greater use of uh, video in different in different uh, different aspects, but again, augmenting augmenting uh, the notion of visual storytelling, uh, and obviously we all, you know, when we're you all. You mean augmented reality or? No, no, no. So augmenting what what's already happening with images, right? In, in a big way, yeah. um, 
and I, and I think people, as they get more comfortable with the notion of um, handling and distributing videos um, at scale, uh, I think that's going to be a bigger part. I think your point around AR and VR, I think, is is going to be very interesting. It's still very niche today, is 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 our opinion. Uh, but I do think um, in certain areas um, that's that's going to have a bigger uh, bigger impact. Um, you know, obviously we know about it in the gaming world and certain entertainment worlds. Uh, I think it's it's it'll be interesting to see whether it. It takes on a more mainstream appeal, uh, but I certainly think video is one of those things that we see. Yeah. Certainly, questions coming in from both our existing clients and new prospects asking uh, how to think about it and how to incorporate it into their existing infrastructure. But with more uh, accessible uh, visual formats today, do you, do you have any information about activity around uh, maybe? personalizing a, an infographic, which is in essence an image, but yep. ability to customize it based on your type of audience. Or for example, on the video side, how can you personalize a 360 video? <laughs> so these are two tweaks on image and video, but with a little bit of a yeah, no, three. You know, we we support three hundred and sixty video out of the box with Cloudinary, right? So you can you essentially all the concepts around personalization that you we've talked about for images are the way are equally applicable to video as well. Mm -hmm. um, and so the premise uh, that you uh, that you can't do personalization. In, in video is not not exactly true. I think you have to think a little more about how that personalization is going to be relevant to to your users um, because you because they consume so much bandwidth and there is an impact on page performance. You have to think through that a little bit and and, and weigh that weigh weigh that trade off. Also, you browse uh, oh, yeah. you browse uh, you know sequentially, right? <laughs> yeah, or you can lazy load, right? You can do things like lazy loading and and ensure, or you can you sometimes you may want to do video previews, right? And again, that's another way where we talked about AI. You know, how do you pick the relevant ten second snippet in a two minute video? Uh, and again, we we provide that capability to support video previews as well. So there are a lot of ways to sort of personalized based both on AI or also based on what you explicitly want to do mm -hmm. into um, into into that notion um, infographics uh, somewhat driven by how you um, build that infographic obviously mm -hmm. but certainly uh, we we uh, we can support the creation of those, or I shouldn't say creation because you create it offline typically, but support uh, the ability to add and layer on to the infographic with uh, with different effects, et cetera, that we can we can deliver. Yeah, because I would think that you know if you treat you know an infographic as a standalone tiles, and you have two right. bio personas, basically you can actually serve different tiles based on the persona. Correct. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. So you have the ability, depending on how you how you want to slice and dice that infographic uh, and how it's built, uh, and you can layer if it's built 
in Adobe Creative, you know, an Adobe Creative Suite product, you can, you know, you can remove layers of the PSD with which you created that infographic and add, uh, uh, add your own customizations uh, depending on how you want to deliver it. So there, uh, it's fascinating. the The notion is there are really unlimited possibilities to yeah. deliver sort of these variations and, and unlimited uh, manipulations that are possible and really what limits you is less the technology and more the use cases that are relevant for you. Um, no, typically we find that to be, uh, to be the limiting factor. Now that's really a fascinating world. You know, I was struck by the, your capability to uh, create custom URLs that actually work as a replacement for a photo manipulation which is quite incredible at the url level <laughs> yeah 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 the the our, the way we manipulate urls as as an expression of our api and it's great for something like again back to the to your marketing audience it's great for seo purposes right so you can take that image and deliberately change it to a specific make sure it doesn't have a weird um sort of image name at the end you can deliberately ensure that it has seo relevant titles to support you know your seo goals and, and again that's another part of what yeah. uh, we we can support through through the cloudinary platform that's awesome so i'd like to close uh, with another standing question i have for all my guests if you need to give uh, your top three tips uh, for marketers maybe considering entering a or getting into visual content uh, platforms, what would you say? Uh, so I think uh, tip number one is really think about what you're trying to do with your visual assets. What's the end goal? What's the KPI you're, you're trying to achieve with those assets? Is it engagement? Is it conversion? Is it, um, so that's one. B, uh, think about the trade-off between how much time your either development, engineering, or marketing teams are spending on uh, doing it yourselves uh, and, and understand the trade-off between that and, and the productivity they get. Uh, and then the third piece is uh, obviously a shameless plug, but it's not just solutions like us. We do believe they're there are options out there for marketers and developers and creative professionals uh, to really unleash the possibilities around their visual assets. And, and we, think, uh, we think you'll be pleasantly surprised at, uh, at what you can do with, with solutions like Cloudinary. Awesome. All right. I'd like to thank you so much, uh, Sanjay, for this fascinating chat today. And for our audience, uh, if they want to, what is the best way to contact you? Um, they can come to our website, cloudinary.com, C-L-O-U-D-I-N-A-R-Y.com. And there's a contact us uh, button there. Feel free to get in touch with us that way. Or they can send us an email at uh, info at cloudinary.com. And uh, it'll come to us and we'll be happy to answer any and all questions that come our way. Awesome. Thank you so much again, Sanjay. And for all of you uh, watching or listening uh, to this podcast, I uh, hope to see you in our next episode. So until next time, take care of your stories. Thank you. Thank you very much, Lomi. Visual Storytelling Today is recorded in Miami, Florida. The show is published exclusively by Visual Storytelling Institute. Learn more at visualstorytell.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on the iTunes Store, until next time, don't let your big story 
wait to be told.